When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We are live. It is a Monday morning. It is the Standing Room Spartans podcast, and it is your host, Kevin Parker, here to talk about 2021 recruiting. Uh, before I do that, we got some news that we got to talk about, and uh, we'll make sure we get into all of that. So I want to start this off with just a little heads up about the podcast. So I've been mentioning over the last couple of weeks here that, you know, with the cancellation of football in the fall here for Michigan State and the Big Ten, not really exactly sure what we're going to do as far as the podcast goes. But um, some news is that I will be moving to once a week. Um, We'll be a weekly MSU football podcast here until we get back on track with you know, maybe once spring practices start back up and we actually have something to talk about. Um, As I mentioned, we're still working on exactly what we're going to be doing over the course of this fall. I definitely have some ideas. I think some things that are going to be really entertaining for you. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't already and make sure that you follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. That's where, I, as far as social media, that's where I'm probably the most engaging and making sure to update everybody on some news around the uh, podcast and what's going on here. But um, again, yeah, it's it's going to be a weekly show from for this fall at least, uh, again, until we figure out exactly what's going on here. So Monday mornings all throughout the fall, you'll still get some great Michigan State football content. Again, whether that's digging into some Michigan State football history, um, whether that's going through some old game tape, um, we've talked about doing some things on Twitter um, where we're we're going to follow what was going to be the 2020 football schedule uh, and going through each game. This is something that Scott brought up uh, and that we were talking about a little bit and, and going through each game and kind of replaying an old game against said team. So. You know, if we were supposed to play Minnesota this week, let's go back and find a fun Minnesota game where Michigan State won and, and we'll break down that that game and we'll talk about it and we'll watch it on YouTube or whatever the case may be. So um, we have some fun stuff that we'll continue to talk about. Of course, we'll continue to update what's going on in the recruiting trail with Mel Tucker as that's going to be, I would assume, the primary focus for the staff over the next couple of months here. So um. Again, today, today's episode, we're going to dig into the 2021 recruiting um, because 
I think as the news continues to update and and people have been pretty bleak about you know what's going on with this class, and of course last night, uh, well as you're listening to this two nights ago on Saturday evening, Gino Vandemark, the offensive lineman from New Jersey, four star player recruited uh, by Mel Tucker and the staff after he decommitted from Rutgers. I, I don't remember if it was decommitted or. Now off the top of my head, if it was just a heavy favorite for Rutgers, but either way, um, he we did get him out of New Jersey, and it's a big swing player for the class. It's the first four star on both uh, of the sites, rivals and twenty four seven. It's the first really big time recruit for the class for Mel Tucker and this staff. It's really a big swing player, and Chris Kapilovich was a big part of the recruiting there. So. Um, that was a big win. That that's going to be one that can help build some momentum. Of course, his teammate Audric Estime, the running back, is is set to make his commitment here in the relatively near future, and we're hoping that he's going to follow Gino in East Lansing. But uh, I really wanted to just kind of take a step back here and look at this class as a whole of of what we've put together so far, because it's a really interesting group. Now, Gino Vandermark makes. 13 commitments in this class in the 2021 class and you know 2020 we had 22 commits uh two years ago there was 19 three years ago 22 four years ago 24 so there's still a lot of work to be done there there's still a lot of guys that we're going to need to fill out at least i would i would hope at least 17 18 19 players would kind of be the target here so there's still a lot of work to be done, but I did want to kind of take a snapshot of where we're at right now, what players we have in the building right now, and, you know, kind of where that puts us. Because, you know, I was looking through the rankings, and, you know, if you look at 24 7, we're currently with Gino ranked number 66 in the country in terms of recruiting. Um, on, on rivals, we're ranked 57. But, the, the way they do those recruiting rankings, a lot of it's reliant on having a bigger class because, you know, the they basically take, okay, here's like your score for this player. Um, you know, the, on rivals, I know they do it basically on, on a one to five. So, you know, if this player's, let's say, a 3.5, okay, then the next player's another 3.5. So you have seven points for these two players and so on and so on. And they basically do these rankings as as far as total points. So, you know, you add all those up and, and they do some other stuff as well. But when you take the average of these players, so instead of just saying, okay, let's total it all up, you know, the, the class of 20 guys is obviously going to be a higher ranking than the class of 12 guys. And the class of 18 is higher than the class of 10, whatever. Um, just because of you know that's how the numbers are going to work themselves out. But if we if we sort it by the average score of each recruit in the class, we're actually 24 in the country according to rivals. So basically, that all goes to say that we are getting some good players in the building. It's just a matter of you know having a pretty small class at this point. When you go through most of the Power Five schools. Um, they're they're sitting closer to 16, 17, 18 recruits uh, as opposed to Michigan State with just 13. I mean, there are some schools that are over 20. I know 
Uh, Tennessee has 24 guys already signed in this class. Florida has 25 guys. So um, it, it's a numbers game, really. And so I wanted to take a peek at what we have right now and just see the type of quality that we have. So we're actually going to go and take a second and go through each of these recruits. Um, I, I watched some of their tape over the weekend for every single one of these guys and, and have some thoughts about you know, what I saw and kind of the type of player that we're getting. Um, we'll talk about, you know, their recruiting over the, you know, wh who else has offered them, what their rankings are, all that kind of stuff. But um, at the end, we'll talk about some of the targets that we should be keeping an eye on in the near future here that, you know, might be committing soon. So I, I was trying to figure out the best way to do this. I actually just ended up sorting it by the commitment date. So we're going to start all the way back in February uh, and we'll work our way back. So Gino Vandemark is going to be the last guy that we talk about here. We'll start with the first commitment to this class. That's Davion Prim, the running back out of Oak Park, Michigan. Now here's a guy who he's six foot 200. He, he runs low to the ground, powerful frame. He split time at running back with uh, Travis Boston, who's another, you know, Division One recruit, probably a guy who's going to play Division One next year. Uh, but good contact balance, so you know he doesn't fall on first contact. He he can stick stay on his feet, um, you know, break some tackles. He's got a little wiggle to him as well. Uh, I, I think this is a kind of guy where we'll see at his ceiling, kind of a. Uh, Gerald Holmes type role. I don't think he he looks like you know a number one workhorse back. And we'll talk about Audric Estime in a minute. I, I think that's a guy that has that potential, right? But Davion Prim, I see as a guy who who can definitely get in there at the Power Five level, take some carries, and be a reliable player. But I don't know if I really see that type of potential where you're giving him the ball 20, 25 times a game and asking him to, to do that. So I really like the player. I think he's got a powerful frame. I think there's a lot to like about him. But, um, you know, I'm not really sure if he's going to be the guy. Uh, but he, he had offers from Colorado with Mel's previous staff over there. Uh, Iowa State, Temple, and then a bunch of Mac schools. So not a heavily recruited kid, but definitely one I think could make some noise once he gets here. Again, powerful guy um, that I'm really excited to see. Uh, next up, we have Ethan Boyd. That's an offensive tackle from East Lansing, uh, played with Andrew Anthony, the wide receiver who ended up committing to Michigan, who we thought we had in the bag for a long time. But Ethan Boyd, six foot seven, two hundred ninety pounds. Um, he's he's definitely got the mentality to play offensive line. You see him finishing blocks out there. He's strong. The size really pops. I mean, he's six foot seven in high school, so he's clearly, you know, head and shoulders above most of the guys around him. Now, the one thing I saw pretty consistently on his film was. He needs to be more consistent playing with his leverage. Uh, if he can really get into the chest of somebody instead of into their shoulder pads, uh, that's really going to be where he f really takes it to the next level. Uh, because right now he plays a little bit too high, and, and again, he's a high school kid at six foot seven. It's it's tough to play low to the ground and get underneath some of these guys. He's playing against defensive linemen who are five eleven, six feet tall. So. 
it's tough to fire out low and really get under the pads of some of these guys. But um, as he gets to the college level, that's going to be the one thing I think Chris Kapilovich and the staff are going to have to work on with him is really firing out low with leverage and really learning to play with that. But, you know, he's got all the tools. There's no doubt about that. He's a big athletic kid. Uh, strong for his size, and he's just going to need to to polish up some of that um, technique and, and leverage to to really take it to the next level. But um, also had offers from Indiana, Kansas State, Minnesota, Vanderbilt, along with some MAC schools. So um, another three star kid, high three star kid, according to twenty four seven. I think has him rated a little bit higher than rivals, but. Um, somebody that has all the potential in the world. Again, that that great frame, six seven two ninety. Um, I think he could put on you know three fifteen three twenty and and still look pretty lean and athletic. So great frame, long arms to put on some more weight. So really excited to see in two to three years what he could become. I, I don't think he's a guy who could play early because I do think there's some work that needs to be done. I think there's some weight that needs to be put onto that frame. But, um, you know, in two to three years, his sophomore redshirt, sophomore redshirt junior, I think this kid can make some noise. Next up, Derek Harmon, defensive tackle out of Loyola in Detroit. Six foot four, according to rivals, 325 pounds. According to 24-7, 360 pounds. Either way, that's a big fella. Um, and he definitely is a man amongst boys. I mean, you put on his tape and he is a head taller and, and a whole body wider than most of the kids he's going against. And he's got a pretty quick get off for that size. I mean, you know, when the ball snapped, he's out there and he's moving. So he's got a quick first step. Uh, he uses that swim move, I think, a little bit too much for a guy of his size, but it works for him. You know, where he just clubs somebody with his right arm, swims over him with his left, and gets into the backfield pretty quickly. So for a guy of that size at that age, he's got quick feet. He can get into the backfield, cause some havoc. Um, you know, and and is once he gets a ball carry into his hands, it's over. That that was something you saw. You know, even if he just gets one paw on you on his shoulder pad, you're you're going down. There's no breaking a tackle from Derek Harmon. Uh, he played both sides of the ball, which which is always good to see. You know, you, you're gonna get a kid who has the conditioning necessary right away. Um, when you're playing both sides of a an offensive and a defensive line in high school, that's really tough to do, man. And so his conditioning is has got to be there for a guy that size. That's really impressive. I mean, the high school game, it's it just looks too easy for him at the end of the day. So. It's tough to really evaluate this sometimes when you get a guy this big going against high school kids. Uh, it's it's really just not fair. And the way he just destroys people. You know, I posted a little clip on, on Twitter where he was playing offensive line and they were running a pitch to the outside and he was pulling and went up against this little white cornerback. Oh my God. It was like throwing literally a rag doll. You know, there's that expression that gets flown around. He gets tossed like a rag doll. I mean, he literally just, it's like he didn't even break a stride. It's like he wasn't even there. So um, this kid going against high schoolers really isn't fair. And it's, it makes it a little bit more difficult to evaluate how good he really is. Uh, but obviously the size, the quick feet, those pop. So I think we have some potential 
in Derek Harmon. And I think he's a guy with that size power uh, who could play early in his career. I mean, if you're sitting somewhere, let's let's cut in the middle between the two services and call him 6'7", 245. I mean, that's, you know, playable weight right there for sure. So I'm really interested to see, you know, what kind of skill this guy has. And, you know, as as he gets into a college program that can really work on his technique and pass rush moves and how to really establish your your ground in the run game. Uh, you know, I think this kid's got a hell of a potential with, you know, I've talked about this with Naquan Jones, a guy that, you know, has a similar size profile that has that penetration ability. It's really special. So Derek Harmon, a guy who clearly has the size, the strength, the the athleticism to play early. Um, and we'll, we'll continue to talk about this, but man, this size profile that Mel Tucker has said he's looking for is very clear in some of the early recruits. Ethan Boyd, 6'7", 290. Derek Harmon, 6'4", 240, 250. Um, the next guy that we'll talk about, Tyson Watson, a defensive end from Warren Mott, 6'6", 260. Uh, long arms, man. This is a kid who has all the natural ability in the world. Um, he's again, these long arms, you, you saw some clips at a rivals camp, um, where, you know, they're going without pads, but he, he really understands how to really punch out of his frame and, and use that length to his advantage. You know, when you really punch out into the chest of the offensive lineman, you're not allowing him to get his, his arms on you. And so that's, something where you can use that to his advantage. And and Tyson Watson is a kid who I think understands that at an early age, which is really impressive. Um, he's, he's not the most explosive athlete. He's not somebody that's an off the charts, you know, he's going to jump out of the building and run a four five. But uh, again, this is a kid, six, six, two sixty, long arms, long legs, who really, really understands how to use that frame and how to use his arms to create leverage on an offensive line. Um, he had offers from Iowa, from Indiana, Minnesota, Iowa State, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee. A lot of Power 5 schools were offered in this kid, and it's, it's very clear why when you see that type of you know, athletic profile and that type of just natural ability with, with his long arms and understanding the game of football. And, you know, I saw some good... Uh, reps and pass rushing as well as run block or run defending. So, you know, he's a guy who really understands the game of football well for a kid of his age. So Tyson Watson, somebody again with that size and length profile, I think could play early in his career um, if if he can get everything sorted out. Uh, because again, he, he understands some pass rush moves. He's pretty advanced for his age in that sense. So um, Tyson Watson out of Warren Mott. Next up, Antoine Booth, defensive back, Hyattsville, Maryland, three-star kid. Uh, depending on where you look, he's he's somewhere in between five eleven and six foot, somewhere between one sixty-five and one eighty-five. Again, some of these services, it's always tough to say. Um, you're not really getting the most accurate information, but we all know once you get on the college roster, they're going to inflate that as well. So it's really not until an NFL combine that you know the exact height and weight measurements of some of these kids. But um, here's somebody really good footwork and press coverage. That was one thing I noted as a defensive back. 
Um, he, he lined up in press coverage quite a bit uh, on his tape and, and had really good footwork, stuck with a guy. If he punched out and missed, he could recover pretty quickly. Um, you saw a lot of discipline in zone coverage. They, they played a lot of cover two at Hyattsville. You could see that right away off the tape. And he was a guy where, you know, usually when you're the corner in a zone cover two, you're responsible for about, you know, 10 to 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. They say like curl to flat um, where the safety is covering all the deep routes. And he was pretty disciplined in that where when he saw a deep route, he passed that off to the safety, comes up and makes a play on somebody running out into the flat, whether that's a tight end or a running back. Um, really disciplined in zone coverage, and, and that's good for somebody his age. Good timing at the point of attack, um, whether that's breaking up a pass, going up for an interception, whatever the case may be, is, is kind of, you know, the, the defensive backs, the coaches will coach you to basically you're you're staring down the receiver, you're you're mirroring him in his route, and when you see his eyes get big, when you see his hands go up, that's when you turn your head and attack the ball. And Antoine Booth really took that coaching to heart. You can see that because he'll mirror his wide receiver right until that last second, get his head around, make a play on the ball. Um, so this is a well-coached kid. Uh, definitely, you can see that very clearly. Um, and an athlete as well. So Antoine Booth, defensive back out of Hyattsville, Maryland, had offers from Maryland, from Rutgers, West Virginia, and some Mac schools. But um, this is somebody that's, I think, really well coached, I think really advanced in terms of football IQ for his age. Um, and with his size and, you know, 5'11", six foot as an outside cornerback, really like to see that. Um, quarterback, Hampton Fay. Out of Fort Worth, Texas, six foot five, two hundred fifteen pounds. Really interesting player because uh, he's somebody who he he had to switch schools uh, because the the first school he was at as a freshman, he basically switched. They had a good quarterback in the building. He he played some quarterback, uh, but also played wide receiver. He, he was uh, definitely athletic enough. Uh, you could see that pretty clearly. Um, even on his quarterback tape, he had an 80-yard touchdown run right up the gut uh, where he just outran, you know, hit a hole, outran the safeties, outran the corners. Uh, but he dealt with some injuries. Uh, he, he really only has one full year. That was his sophomore year of quarterback tape. But you can see everything you want to see. Man, a super quick release. Again, a really good athlete, poised in the pocket. That was something I noted. Um, he had a couple throws where he he really releases it right before he gets hit, but puts it on the money, allows his receivers to make a play. Accurate. Uh, and this is somebody that I think checks all the boxes when you look at you know, 2020, where the game of football is at and how the quarterbacks are asked to command an offense, make plays with your legs and with your arm. I think Hampton Fay is, is a perfect example of that, of somebody who can definitely move the chains. I think even at the college level, his athleticism will play, uh, and he's an accurate pocket passer as well. So uh, this is somebody that I expect to play. I, I really do. I you know We'll see what ends up coming out of the 2022 class and, and later on. But when I look at the high school tapes of the, the guys that we have on the roster, Compared to Hampton Fay, which again we only have really sophomore tape because he was hurt his junior year, 
and uh, we'll see what happens this senior year. I actually didn't check what's going on in Texas. If they're playing high school football down there, I'm assuming they are. It's Texas. Those people are nuts. But um, let's see here. Texas high school football COVID. Let's see if we get any hits here of what's going on. But, you know, if we don't get a senior season of tape from him, um, that's going to be something where I think just based off this sophomore year tape, it's still impressive. And if he red shirts and, and gets another year of coaching under, you know, Jay Johnson, I think he could really make some noise in the power five in the big 10. Um, it looks like Texas high school football is playing this year. So um, you would like to see him play another season. I mean, going into college after not playing for two straight years is kind of a weird case study, but either way, Hampton phase it's some tape that I really liked watching. He's a really exciting player. Um, Kevin Wigginton, that's an offensive lineman from Princeton, New Jersey, six foot five, 290 pounds. He might be our best recruiter on our recruiting staff because he has definitely been somebody who's who's helped to recruit Gino Vandemark, who's helped recruit Audra Gestime. And we're starting to build this New Jersey pipeline. And I think Kevin Wigginton is a huge part of that. Um, but as far as a player, He's powerful. He's violent. He's a finisher. He's talked about that in interviews. Um, you know, he stops when the whistle blows and you're six feet deep. That that was the first thing I noted when uh, when I was watching his tape, man. You know, he just finishes blocks. And whether he's washing a guy off to the sideline, whether he's just putting a dude in the dirt, uh, again, he, he won't stop until you're six feet deep. So he's just a really punishing offensive lineman who clearly has the mentality to play that position. Um, people rave also, I was watching some interviews. I was watching some, you know, local New Jersey high school media stuff. People rave about his mentality, uh, his intelligence, his preparation. Um, you can see that with his offer. He had offers from Georgetown, Penn, Yale, UMass. Those are the type of schools that They'll look at your academics and then they'll say, hey, uh, also, by the way, are you a football player, too? <laughs> so he clearly, you know, has the academic merit to get into an Ivy League school, um, but is also a type of football player that you love to see in a power five school. You know, he also had offers from Pitt, Tennessee, Maryland, Indiana. Uh, he played both sides of the ball is, again, something that I'm really looking for. Um, just from one, a conditioning standpoint, it's good to see. But two, you also have that mentality of of understanding what a defensive lineman is trying to do to you. You know, when when you're playing offensive line and you've played defensive line at a high level also, you, you know what kind of tells you're looking for and you know what gives away your position and what gives away the play and, and what allows a defensive lineman to win. So um, I really like this kid. I think he's got a bright future at Michigan State. Again, uh, he's probably been our best recruiter <laughs> lately when it comes to these New Jersey kids. Um, definitely one of the leaders of this class uh, and really excited to see him in East Lansing and to see what he can do on the football field because his tape is really impressive. Um, everything that I saw was just a punishing finisher, man, and I love to see that in an offensive lineman. Cameron Allen. Tight end out of Forney, Texas, six foot five, two hundred twenty pounds. Again, we'll talk about this over and over, but man, the size of these kits that are coming in is absolutely insane. 
uh, 6'5", tight end, 220 pounds, coming into his senior year of high school. Um, this is somebody who can go up and get it, man. 6'5", with some hops. Uh, he can really scoot in the open field when, he, you know, his first play on his highlight tape, he catches a little slant pass and takes it like 60 yards to the house. Um, so that's uh, definitely has a receiving profile. They split him out, li- out wide quite a bit. I actually want to know who the offensive coordinator at this school was because they were mixing it up on offense. They were putting him in line. They were putting him as a like fullback, swinging him out. They were putting him out wide at right, wide receiver. I would really love to have a conversation with this offensive coordinator and see if he's getting any college looks because uh, he was really doing some stuff that I liked watching. But Cameron Allen, man, that athleticism and size really pops on his tape. He's also a very physical player. And whether that's in run blocking or whether that's you know going out into your route and being physical with a corner because when, when you're splitting out wide against a corner at 6'5", 220, you know, you got to be physical with them. That's where you're going to win. You're not going to beat them with speed. So right off the line of scrimmage, you punch out, you know, you get your hands on them. And then at the point of attack, you know, you, whether it's a little hand fighting, but he's a physical football player, loves the mentality at that tight end position. He definitely projects as a pass catcher, as that red zone threat. Um, he's got some work to do in the run game as far as his technique goes. Plays a little bit too high. Want to see him get his pad level a little bit lower, fire out into a defensive end, into a linebacker. But the pass-catching profile is absolutely there with this kid and really excited to see Cameron Allen. We lost a tight end recruit. Um, I'm forgetting his name now, Jake something. Um, to He was going over to IMG. He was another three-star tight end. But you know, the more I dig into this Cameron Allen, I, I think that we're just fine uh, with him in town. So Cameron Allen out of Texas, tight end, somebody that I'm really excited for. Now going back to the defensive side of the ball, defensive back Charles Brantley out of Venice, Florida, six foot one, one sixty, one seventy, depending on the service. Uh, he's a four star according to Rivals. He's a three star and twenty four seven. But um, goes to show you that that some people really like this kid. Uh, he's he's got the length necessary again at six one. He's got some long arms and really good ball skills, man. When that ball's in the air, he can go up and get it. Seventeen interceptions the last two seasons. He's really got a nose for the football. You know, there, there's something to be said about that right place, right time, because it's not all luck. It's putting yourself in a position to succeed, and whether that's you know. A, wide receiver you know drops a ball or ball goes off somebody's hands you're there for the tip drill those things are practice that's not just luck right when you see a tipped ball go up for an interception that's not something that you just luck into that's something that's practiced every single day by defensive backs because it happens all the time and when you put yourself in a position to be there and be able to make a play that's something that that goes that doesn't go unnoticed so Again, 17 interceptions the last couple of years. You go on his tape, he's got some forced fumbles, got some fumble recoveries. He's just always around the ball making plays. Uh, he was kick returner, had a couple of kick return touchdowns in there. Just a fluid athlete, easy acceleration, man. When he, when he steps on the gas, it looks effortless. Uh, I really, really think this kid's got a hell of a future. Um, he always keeps his eyes on the ball. And he's doing this against some of the best competition in high school football in the country, man. 
Some of these games are against Plant, against St. Thomas Aquinas. Those are two just football factories. Those are schools that are producing like 10 to 15 D1 kids every single senior class. So um, Charles Brantley is somebody that I expect to play and play early. I really do think that this kid's got every bit of potential to be an all Big Ten type of player. Man, uh, his offer sheet's pretty impressive. Um, You go Florida State, Louisville, Pitt, Indiana, Duke, Boston College, App State. Um, there, there's a lot of great schools on there. Well, Washington State, Virginia, recruited all over the country. Uh, but again, man, when you when you combine that length, at six foot one, as an outside corner, with the athleticism he has, that the ball skills he has, and and just with the the football IQ and and with the mentality to just always be around the ball, making plays. Charles Brantley, somebody I really expect to hear his name called quite a bit in East Lansing once he gets to town. Somebody that I think could play early, uh, for sure. Another defensive back here, Michael Gravely Jr. This kid's out of Cleveland, Ohio. Another six foot one, 180 pounds. Um, more of a safety. They they played him at linebacker quite a bit when you watch his tape. Really aggressive tackler in the running game. Again, you know, when you're a linebacker at high school, you you better be. Um, but again, he played a lot of linebacker, a lot of nickel corner, a lot of, you know, in the box safety. So he's really aggressive in that running game, taking on blocks, getting into the backfield, making plays. His closing speed really pops out at you. When he diagnoses a play and starts going after a running back, man, it's over. Um, because his acceleration and his closing speed in there, it, it, it really pops off the tape. Um, disciplined zone defender, saw that quite a bit. Ball skills are there. He made, you know, this one-handed leaping interception with with another guy there. It's it's something that um, you don't you don't see a whole lot of on his film because again he was playing mostly in the box as more of a linebacker than anything. So uh, there there's not a whole lot of the pass coverage in there. Uh, but uh, this is somebody that I think as an in-the-box kind of Xavier Henderson type player, I-, I think could really succeed because he's got the mentality. Um, he's got the closing speed to to play with anybody. You know, when when he diagnoses a play, he- he's getting after it, man. And-, and I think he's a smart player with some good ball skills and he's a good athlete. So Michael Gravely Jr., defensive back, mostly a safety out of Cleveland, Ohio, 6'1", 180. Had offers from a lot of the Midwestern-type schools, Boston College, Cincinnati, Duke, uh, Pitt, also at Wake Forest, West Virginia, Colorado. Um, so pretty impressive kid. I think you know he's going to be a red shirt for sure, but um, somebody that I think could take over that Xavier Henderson-type box safety role in the future. Um, now we're getting to these recent commitments. You had Alex Okilo. Somebody that we talked about last week, he committed on August 16th. That was last weekend. Somebody that me and Scott basically just touched on quickly. It was a, it was a recruit that came in like 40 minutes before we started recording, so we didn't really have a whole lot of time to do some deep dive on him. But somebody who played only one season of high school football, and, and he only started playing in games four, ga- four weeks into the season. Uh, because the coaching staff basically just weren't really confident with his uh, understanding of the defense and everything like that. So his first start was like week five, and he had like seven sacks and 60 tackles or something. 
Um, but you know, he played high, he, he played football when he was younger. Uh, that was something I read in an article on Spartan mag where, um, the, the, his parents, I guess, just didn't really want him playing football. Uh, he was a basketball player and, uh, his high school, the high school football coach where he went in Nashville, Tennessee was, was basically just hounding him like every day, like, man, you come out for the football team. We, we would love to have you. Um, uh, the high school coach mentioned that, you know, Alex Okilo is six foot six. And he said, man, as a basketball player, you're a dime a dozen, six foot six. Everybody's six, six in basketball, six, six in football, man, you're a special breed. So, um, six, six, 217 pounds clearly has to get in the weight room. But again, that's after basically being a basketball player, his whole high school career. So as he's focusing on football, I think that weight's going to start getting put on pretty easily because he's got the frame for it at six, six with some long legs, long arms. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of room to put on some weight, but he definitely has some good plays and run defense. Uh, he's got some good snaps, but that'll be the biggest question mark. Um, you know, the pass rushing moves aren't really there, uh, but he's a, at the end of the day, he's an athlete, man, with, with good lateral movement. Again, that probably comes from his basketball background. You know, when somebody, when he's out in space with a running back, he can mirror him and, and you know, he's not just going to fall over when he tries going right or left. He's got pretty good lateral movement for that size. Um, he's, he's got a really high ceiling at six foot six, long arms, good frame to put on some more weight, good athlete. Uh, I think this kid, as he continues to learn the game and as he continues to learn how to approach a pass rush, how to, you know, really put together his pass, ru pass rush moves, um, definitely going to be red shirted, definitely going to be a couple years before he starts seeing the field. But, you know, if he can get some good coaching with Ron Burton on that defensive line, this kid can make some plays. This kid can make some money in the NFL one day because the ceiling, it, it, there is no ceiling with this kid. I, I really believe that. So if he really commits and he really wants to improve and he really takes to coaching, it's his special kid, Alex Okilo. Um, and of course, over the weekend, uh, last night as I'm recording, two nights ago as you're listening, we got our first four-star on both services of the class, Gino Vandemark out of New Jersey, six foot five, 295 pounds, um, really big, really important uh, recruit for this class because, again, uh, you know, until Alex Okilo there really wasn't any noise on the recruiting trail um, for basically a couple months here. We lost out on uh, Andrell Anthony. We lost out on a, a couple other guys that, you know, Jamari Budden, the uh, linebacker, went to Penn State. Um, so we started losing out on a couple of these kids. The, there just wasn't really a whole lot of momentum. So getting Gino Vandemark, a guy who's rated – um, you know, according to uh, 24-7, he's a, he's a top 300-ish type player. According to Rivals, he's a top 150 type player. So um, definitely has some fans out there on, on Rivals especially. Um, according to Rivals, let's see here. He is the number, does it show me? Uh, number 19 offensive guard uh, offensive tackle in the country, number 160 overall player, 
and the number five player in the state of New Jersey are, are recruiting hotbed year after year. Um, according to 24-7, he's number 317 in the country as far as an overall player, number 18 offensive guard, and the number four player in the state of New Jersey. So um, definitely has a lot of fans out there, and for good reason, because you put on the tape, and this kid's a finisher, first and foremost. He, he puts you on his ass, no doubt about that. But what really, really impressed me is is – you know, of course, he's he's strong. He's a finisher. He's uh, he's got that interior offensive lineman mentality in the body of an offensive tackle, which is something that I I really like. But what really impressed me is is his just advanced ability in pass protection. Um, he's he's really patient in his pass sets. He's got pretty advanced mirror footwork. So you know, when an offensive or when a defensive lineman you know, is trying to mix him up, go inside, go outside, um, fake him out. His Geno Vandermark's footwork is really impressive in mirroring a defensive lineman and staying in front of him. Uh, that that was something that really impressed me. Um, but this is somebody that I really think has a bright future. I think he could play early, 6'5", 300 pounds, just about 295, strong kid. Uh, you know, you can just see that right away on his tape. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily saying as a true freshman. Again, there are a lot of these young offensive linemen, linemen at Michigan State, like Devontae Dobbs, like Spencer Brown, um, Nick Samak, J.D. Duplain, who I think are going to be in line for a lot of playing time. Uh, but whether that's a redshirt freshman, whether that's a, a sophomore, I think Geno Vandemark is definitely going to get on the field pretty early in East Lansing. Um, his offer list is is long and impressive, man. Arizona State. Uh, you have Miami, Minnesota, Nebraska, Mississippi, Oklahoma State, uh, Tennessee, Vatech, Virginia, uh, along with another you know handful of Power Five schools. So um, a lot of kids were a lot of schools were after this kid uh, for good reason. I think he's a huge addition to the class. Hopefully, can help bring in some more guys as we build some momentum here. Two weeks, uh, two recruits committed. So I think we're, we're starting to see a little uptick here for Mel Tucker and the staff, starting to get some guys, starting to build a little bit of momentum back in this class. So um, the last guy, Mark Vassett, the punter out of Pro Kick Australia. Um, th- there's just not a whole lot of information on him because he's coming over from Australia. But um, the second Pro Kick player, at Michigan State, uh, Bo Meester was the other one. So um, you, you've had some of this before, and, and this Pro Kick Australia is, is an organization that is basically, you know, Aussie, Aussie rules football. I was over at, at in Australia for a study abroad at, when I was in East Lansing, when I was at Michigan State. Uh, my sophomore year, no, my junior year, excuse me, my junior year, I went over to Australia for a semester and they have this Aussie rules football, um, which is basically more of a combination of like rugby and soccer. And, and so there's a lot of this punting going on throughout the game, you know, by every single player on the field and they're running and they're athletic and they're, they're playing all over the field, but they're punting accurately. You know, you, you're basically punting as your form of passing to the other players on your team. So um, it's something that comes really natural to them. They play with basically a rugby ball, so it's similar shape to a football. Um, but this Pro Kick Australia 
organization that basically said, hey, you know, this American football thing is really popular and there are a lot of guys making a lot of money. And we have some kids over here in Australia that that already know the basically technique of punting a, a football shaped ball. Um, why don't we start, you know, grooming these kids and, and try to make them into the NFL players? And now basically, I don't know exactly, but I would guess that, you know, 10 to 15 NFL teams have somebody from pro kick 30 to 40 power five schools any given year have a starting punter from Australia. So it's become really just a hotbed of punting talent. So getting Mark Vassett over from there, he's 23 years old already. Um, We'll see if he can make an impact. So that's the class as we currently stand right now, 13 players. I think a lot of talent and a lot of high ceiling guys, a lot of boomer bust type players where, um, they they might really outplay their ranking. Again, I talk about Charles Brantley, a guy with a huge ceiling. Um, Alex Okilo, obviously somebody with just an, um, an unlimited ceiling, really. Um, Ethan Boyd, somebody if he fills out and the offensive line, he could really play at a high level. Antoine Booth. I, I mean, there's a lot of these guys I, I think could really outplay their ranking. If they really accept the coaching, if they work hard, I think the the ceiling is limitless for a lot of these kids. So let's talk about just for a minute here to wrap it up. Some of the guys we should be keeping an eye on in the near future here again. You know, I've been talking with Corey over from Rivals about some of these kids as well. Um, But just kind of reading the tea leaves, watching on Twitter, um, talking to some people that I that I know. Some of the guys we should keep an eye out. Obviously, Audric Estime is the first name that comes up. Teammate of Gino Vandemark at Montville in uh, New Jersey. Uh, four-star running back. Really highly rated guy. You know, somebody that I think could make a lot of noise in this class. You know, we, we talked about uh, Davion Prim, the running back that we already have committed as somebody that I think could be a, a type of player that it comes in and makes an impact at the at the college level, but I, I'm not really sure if he's somebody that is going to be a workhorse type player and somebody that you can rely on as your your every down running back. But Audric Estime might be that guy on 24/7. He's the number 18 running back in the country. Um, he's a top 400 overall player, number seven recruit in the state of New Jersey. Um, you look over at rivals while well, this is loading, loading number 205 national player, number 10 running back in the class. Um, so, you know, rivals a little bit higher on him than 24 seven, but either way, definitely a heavily recruited kid, four star on both services. So that's going to be one we're going to be looking for here soon. Um, after Gino committed, I think that makes his commitment, uh, you know, the the future casts and the crystal balls are all leaning towards us. And I think especially now that Gino's committed to Michigan State, that's going to be one that we're looking for. Um, Stefan Johnson, the three-star cornerback out of Venice, Florida, teammate of Charles Brantley. Um, somebody that, again, you look at these crystal balls and these future casts, it seems like Michigan State is the team to beat for his services. Um, he played a lot of quarterback in high school, so his tape is a little bit hard to watch. It's it's hard to project him as a corner. You know, he does have some reps out there, but you know, when you're focusing on quarterback, 
it's tough to put a lot of great tape out there as a defensive back as well. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, he's a really good athlete. That much is clear. Um, if you are a quarterback, you probably know the game of football pretty well. So I, I think Stefan Johnson is somebody that, you know, it's it's basically down to Michigan State and Rutgers, but we're definitely in the lead for him. Javon Grigsby, three-star safety out of Louisiana, somewhere that, you know, someone that Corey Robinson brought up when I interviewed him a couple weeks back, um, that, you know, it's it's really seems like all signs are pointing toward MSU. We, they just have to make it official because he's a guy that, you know, he's really is really close with his family and they've basically said that he's not going to decommit from somewhere, you know, he's going to commit from to, to a school and, and that's going to be it. So he's really just going to take his time and make this decision. But it seems like Michigan state's the front runner there. Uh, Purdue and Louisiana tech also kind of in play. I know there's an article out there that Auburn was another school that, that was kind of starting to be a little more interested in them. Um, so those three guys I think are, are, Michigan State are favorites for. So adding another two defensive backs and a running back to the class, that would make it 16, assuming that all three of those commit. Um, And then we got, let's see, four guys on here, five guys on here that I think, you know, a couple of them could be toss-ups that we're really in the running for and a couple of them that, you know, we're, we're probably not. But, you know, hey, maybe we, we got a shot at them. So Mikai Gabayer. He's a three-star linebacker out of New Jersey. Um, he he has a lot of offers, Alabama, LSU. He has his top five um, where Nebraska, Michigan State, West Virginia, Mississippi, and Kentucky. Um, from what I've been reading from Makai Gabayer, the uh, Mississippi and Kentucky seem to be the two big schools, but um, there was a future cast in Rivals from one of the, the publishers um, for Michigan State, uh, as I'm recording this, it was seven hours ago. Um, so maybe somebody's heard something. Maybe somebody's talked to him. Maybe there's a little bit of uh, momentum for Michigan State there. Again, we've had a lot of New Jersey commitments recently. We've had a lot of momentum in that state. So maybe Makai Gabayer is a three-star, high three-star type of linebacker, um, is somebody that we could pull at the last minute here. Raquan Buckley. Uh, three-star defensive end out of Michigan, Wyoming, Michigan. Um, His recruitment has been pretty quiet. There really hasn't been a whole lot of noise. He's not doing a whole lot on Twitter, any of this kind of stuff. It seems like it's either Nebraska or Michigan State, so we're definitely in the running for him for another defensive lineman to add to the class. Rayshon Benny, um, he's a three- or four-star, depending on the service, offensive lineman out of Oak Park. Seems like Michigan is is definitely in the lead right now. You know, all the crystal balls and everything are pointing his way. Um, but we saw recently just with uh, Andrell Anthony how quickly some of that can turn. So um, we already have Davion Prim out of Oak Park. Maybe we can uh, get him to recruit his buddy Rayshon Benny. I'm not going to give up on that one until we see the commitment. Um, we also have Donovan Edwards out of West Bloomfield, the running back. Um, if Audric Estime commits, I, I don't think we really need him. I, we don't need three running backs in one recruiting class. So he, he seems like he's going to Michigan either way. But assuming we get Audric Estime, that's not really a big loss to the class. Uh, Mason Randolph, uh, offensive tackle out of California. 
Um, the, again, there's not really any noise on his recruiting, but as a three-star kid, I think that there's um, his recruitment is basically wide open right now. Um, so he's somebody that we've offered that that uh, we've had some communication with. So maybe somebody to keep an eye on as kind of an off the radar type of kid. Um, Jabril McNeil is another one. He Michigan State was in his top eleven. He's a three or four star outside linebacker out of North Carolina. It definitely seems like he's heavily leaning towards either North Carolina State or South Carolina. Uh, but, you know, we were in his top 11. That's the most recent update that we have. So I guess there is a little bit of hope that we can snag him. Probably not. But um, again, assuming Estime, Grigsby, and Stefan Johnson, that would make 16 for the class. If we can um, end up landing Raquan Buckley, who's basically a 50-50 coin flip right now, that would make 17, um, which is is a serviceable number. You're you're still going to be probably looking for one or two other guys, whether that's trying to get Makai Gabayer, whether that's, you know, Rayshon Benny flipping at the last moment, whatever the case may be. But I really do think, you know, as I'm going through this, that there's a lot to like about this class. So I think now that I've really studied all of these kids individually and watched tape of all these kids individually, I am more optimistic than I was before watching this tape. So if somebody out there is listening to this is like, man, this recruiting class is just not good. We're number 66 recruiting class in the country. You know, what's going on here? I do encourage you to start to just watch a little bit of the tape of some of these kids. You know, again, it's, it's a five minutes, you know, you can kind of take a, take a look at this and, of course, they're not going to show their bad plays, so it's it's you know not a perfect evaluation, but it does give you a glimpse of, you know, the ceiling of these kids and what they can do. Um, so, if you are looking for a little more optimism in this class, I really do suggest taking a look at Charles Brantley. He's somebody that I think when you turn on the tape, it's very clear that this kid can play. Um, Michael Gravely is another one who I think, you know, the size and the position I think is really interesting because he can play that box safety role. Um, Antoine Booth was another kid that as I was watching, I, I got pretty excited about Hampton Fay. Definitely make sure you watch that tape. That's really intriguing. Um, and, and Derek Harmon, you know, I, I'm just going to list everybody, but I, I mean, it, it really, I, I am a lot more optimistic about this class than I was going into the research for this episode. So I really appreciate everybody listening, everybody reaching out to me. Um, it's again, we're going to cut this down to a weekly show that I just don't want to waste any. I don't want to give you any just nonsense content because there's really not a whole lot going on right now and all through the fall. So Again, stay tuned, subscribed, um, as well as follow on Twitter because I have a lot of good ideas for what we're going to be doing throughout the offseason here, the, the long, long offseason. Um, but make sure you stay tuned because uh, I have some really fun stuff for you to make sure we talk about MSU football year-round. Um, but again, I do think two episodes a week might turn into, you know, I think right now I could definitely work it, but by the time we get to mid-October, November, I think it would just be a little bit of overkill. So um, we are cutting down to once a week, Monday mornings. Make sure you subscribe. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Seriously, it helps me out if you haven't done so already. 
And when you do ask a question, because I love getting the fan questions, spending some time to really research it and give you a good answer. So when you leave an Apple podcast review, make sure you ask a question. It can be about MSU football. It can be about cocktails, whatever the case may be. Um, I, I would love to talk about it. Follow me on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. I really appreciate everybody's support. The new Instagram page, Standing Room Spartans. Uh, thank you so much. Hope everybody enjoys the show. Hope everybody you know, stays tuned over this long, long offseason because I love Michigan State football. I know you guys too. And I want to get the chance to talk ball with each and every one of you. I got some interviews lined up that I want to make sure we get to. Um, that's something, uh, you know, off the cuff here um, that I've thought about as well, of just trying to get an interview every week with a former player. I, I got some stuff lined up with that. Uh, maybe we'll do something there. So uh, make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, review. Really appreciate it. Hope you have yourselves a great week. Take care, folks. <laughs>